When all is ready, I throw this switch. everyone and welcome to the collected edition comic book podcast where we discuss the famous infamous runs and story arcs throughout the history of comics i'm paul matthew carr and with me as always brian reese that's me hello paul how's it going it's going good all Uh, right yeah can't complain actually i can complain quite a bit but things to complain about yeah but i'm gonna you know for podcast reasons i'm gonna restrain myself we're just here to celebrate uh good times come on uh, so today on the program, we will be discussing the 2008 four-issue Wonder Woman arc, The Circle, written by Gail Simone with art by Terry and Rachel Dodson. Uh, but first, let's just talk about the movie Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman 1984, which what? is, <laughs> exactly, um, the whole point of me choosing this arc was that it was going to coincide, you know, with with the release of the movie and it was going to be all, you know, synchronistic. Because that's how we roll. Yeah, you know, for marketing and algorithm purposes. Yeah. Uh, but they, they screwed it up on me. So originally, Wonder Woman 1984 was going to be released in December of 2019. It got pushed back to June of 2020. Uh, for, for obvious reasons, it was not released. So it was going to be released to this month, October. And then it was, now it's being really, it's going to be pushed back again till I uh, don't have a date. doesn't matter. Uh, because these dates are all fictional. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, so it's, so they, they, they think they're going to release the film in December of this year. That's the plan as of this moment. Uh-huh. Yeah. I really think it's going to be, because all the, all the Marvel films just said, screw it, and they're moving all, everything till next year. Right. Uh, and more than likely, that's what's going to happen with Wonder Woman. There was a little rumor mill being spread that it was going to go straight to streaming. That quickly had the kibosh put on it by Patty Jenkins herself saying that they are committed to a theatrical release, which is all well and fine. I'm kind of of two minds on it because A, I want to see the movie. Mm -hmm. And if it was streaming, that'd be fine. Right. Uh, But this is a female led superhero movie. And I can see the reason for wanting to, wanted it to be in the theaters and do well. Well, It's the same with uh, Black Widow. Exactly. There was some concern that uh, Black Widow was going to get moved. And well, like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, and again, that's a little bit different too, because unlike you know, I think would you the, move Black Panther to streaming only, or yeah? Well, I, the, the complication with the Marvel films is that there is a continuity, a rough, a loose continuity, and and right. a certain order that you're supposed to be seeing these things in. And now that they have the TV shows, which are also tying into the films, when they are released is is fairly important right? Uh, because you know dc has pretty much said screw it we're not doing a cinematic universe anymore which is fine i'm i'm perfectly on board with the the dc films just being standalone things and uh, especially dc can't get its act together enough in their film studios to actually do a coherent uh, timeline yeah and you know and that's perfectly fine i'm i'm happy just to see a a good suzanne movie a good wonder woman movie the batman when that comes out and it doesn't have to be all in one big cinematic universe it can just right. be good standalone films and that's fine yeah uh, but the marvel films have locked themselves into this so when they push something back you know it yeah. has it has yeah it has a cascading effect on all the other movies sure yeah i don't think you'd necessarily have to see them all in order but it works for the the great plan 
the Well, when planet. I finally got around to watching them all, when I got the um, Disney Plus or whatever, and finally decided, okay, I'm going to watch all the Marvel films in order. Uh, it was helpful to do that. It was it was certainly helpful to watch them in order. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is helpful to you know because they have little Easter eggs and plot threads that go on throughout all the films. It's like reading a comic book. If you you can you can pick up any issue and enjoy it, but if you know if you know the continuity, it makes it a little bit more enjoyable. Unless it's the X Men, in which you need to know fifty years of history to understand you know anything. And... <laughs> well, there there's a lot of comics like that. I'll, I'll I'll probably cut those out, but uh, you know I've recently been reading Doctor Who comics. Like I told you, I we discussed right. this before, and which I've really have been enjoying them. However, it occurred to me. Hey, if you haven't been watching fifty years of a television program, probably don't have any idea what's going on. Nope. <laughs> uh, so you know, sometimes continuity matters, although canon does not. I'm becoming I'm becoming a fierce non-canon person, meaning things can change. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's well, and I think we'll have that a little bit today with our with our main topic, uh, but we'll hit on that like here in a few minutes. Yes, exactly. But anyway. This whole movie thing is up in the air. I have no idea what's going to be happening. Well, we're not even sure if there's going to be movie theaters. Well, I do like that there's a, uh, <laughs> there's been a lot of headlines about no superhero movies this year. No superhero movies will be released in 2020. Meanwhile, New Mutants came out a couple of weeks ago. And people were like, eh, I said no superhero movies. <laughs> <laughs> what they should have said is no superhero movies that anybody will go see. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, so that's. I don't know. I'll I'll wait for it to stream and then I'll watch it. Eventually, it'll come to to Disney Plus and all will be well. And hey, it has Arya in it, so. Who looks entirely different? That was filmed three years ago. A long time ago. Three, four years ago. Yeah. We did our episode podcast. uh... Yeah, we did our episode on New Mutants to coincide with the release of that one, and they did it to me then too. I should say. I should never plan. <laughs> no, don't plan. Yeah, we just don't. We're, no planning. It's, no it's, planning. It's, it's kind of like when we co- when when it comes to our discussion of the topic of the day or the uh, the comic of the day. It's like clearly we don't plan ahead. No, obviously not. <laughs> it's become far too clear. But yeah, you know, I'm a little concerned with movie theaters these days. With uh, the Regal chain has has closed. Right. They, those were the theaters I was seeing my movies at. Well, and I think AMC is kind of teetering on the brink this is this is a big deal i mean you don't want that has a lot of uh cascading effect i mean i think theaters will survive they may not be the theaters that are currently operating but uh you know i i think uh one of the unfortunate side effects uh, to all of what's been going on and 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 whatnot and businesses closing and stuff is that uh if if we ever get out on the other side of all of this um, there's suddenly going to be a lot of businesses available for purchase and, you know, for yeah. people to start up new businesses. You know, if, if yeah. a movie theater, theater change, chain closes, but those buildings don't get torn down, well, it is an opportunity for someone else to come in and buy up those properties maybe when, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not necessarily advocating that. Yeah. But I, I think that's what's going to happen. You're going to have a lot of opportunistic people. Well, you know. Maybe it'll be a change for a better. Maybe more independent theaters will, will move in. Yeah, or you know, some some place like you know, what the what the Alamo Draft House or what is that the the theater chain uh, down south? Right. 
yeah uh, that uh, does a lot of really good uh, uh, promotions and, and is, is a really interesting business model uh, for yeah. we have some of those here it's like it actually is you know it's like dinner theater basically mm -hmm. yeah but then in Denver it's like I don't even know is the Mayan still you know what was it the, the yeah it's the it's the Mayan uh, that's a that's an old you know I get one of those old classic theaters mm -hmm. that has been renovated and does mostly independent art films and art films exactly it's still it's still there yeah. uh, but you can buy food there I remember you know they serve food even back when I was you know years ago so mm -hmm. there was one place that started selling sushi it's like really raw fish in a theater it's interesting mm -hmm. yeah yeah so it's it's an interesting idea if nothing else um the smell for everyone around you must be lovely. <laughs> <laughs> At least they're not microwaving it, right? Exactly. Uh, so everything will be fine in the future, I think. Unless it's not. Come on, man. Let's let's <laughs> have a glimmer of hope somewhere along the line. Yeah, you know, I mean, what's weird is it's that, uh, I mean, yes, we, we don't have superhero films. And it, it sucks that uh, Wonder Woman keeps getting pushed back and... I mean, I'm not going to a theater anytime soon myself. No, even, even when Wonder Woman, if, even if it came out in December, I, I'm not going. Yeah, it's it's just not worth it, to be honest with you. It's uh, I, I, I would love to go to a theater. I like going to theaters. Yeah, there's it's something, you know, it's it's the whole experience of being in the theater. It's it's great, you know. And yeah. I miss that. You know, the, I think the last movie I saw in a theater was Star Wars. Yeah, me too, actually. You know, and I was planning on seeing Black Widow and, you know, I was going to get tickets for that. And there is a, So there is, going to the theater is a great, you know, experience, particularly, you know, when it's... it's it, I don't love blockbusters just as blockbusters. And, you know, it's uh, I, films like the Transformers I find unwatchable. But, um, you know, but there is something about seeing a big spectacle on a big screen with your popcorn and whatever else and you know with the the sound you know the great speakers and you know mm -hmm. it's it's and it's, it's there's nostalgia to it but it's also still an ongoing entertain you know joy and entertainment but i'm just i'm not sticking myself in a room with a bunch of strangers yeah a bunch of strangers who you cannot uh can't count on to do the right thing and who you can't see i don't know who those people are <laughs> <laughs> it's making out in the back row you know I, I, you know, you always, everybody talks about that. And I was like, oh, man, I never did that in a the movie theater. Yeah. I'm, I'm, we had other places we could, I mean. Yeah. I was, I was like, I'm, I'm watching a movie. So anyway, things will get better. I believe there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It may be a train. Not sure. <laughs> but, but I believe there's a light. There's a light at the end of the rainbow. Oh, let's mix metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. I think that's all. I think we've exhausted that conversation. Pretty much. Yep. Let's uh let's take a break and when we come back we'll talk about Wonder Woman. All right. Don't know why it said it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we might be this this might be interesting. I feel a bit giddy. Right, we'll be right back right after this. Hey there. Do you like comic books? Do you like superhero TV and movies? Well, come on over and check out the Caves of Lunatics podcast. We have such shows as Capes and Lunatics and Super Connectivity, where we cover everything new and current and popular in the world of superheroes. And we also have episode-by-episode -episode reviews of the Marvel Netflix shows and a monthly discussion of everything current on the DC Comics character Nightwing and a few other surprises all the time. So come join us. 
for the Capes and Lunatics podcast. And we're back. I believe we're discussing uh, a comic book that uh, you recommended, uh, Paul. Would you like to tell us a little bit about it? I do indeed. Wonder Woman's been around for a long time. And like many characters that have been around a long time, there have been multiple interpretations and many ways she has been presented. However, unlike many characters that, that have been around a long time, the different interpretations haven't exactly been consistent. In fact, they have at times differed so wildly that it's hard to tell it's the same character at all. Typically, Wonder Woman, Diana, was depicted either as a fierce Amazon warrior or a demure ambassador of peace, a woman in tune with the times, or a naive fish out of water, comically out of step with the current trends. And how Wonder Woman has been depicted could change from issue to issue, from golden age bondage heroine to depowered fashionista to straight-up Greek goddess, Wonder Woman seemed to change to fit the whims of the writer and the times. That is until Gail Simone came along. In 2008, coming off her acclaimed run on Birds of Prey, Gail Simone was given the chance to write for Wonder Woman, a character she admitted she had great admiration and affection for. The result was The Circle, an opening arc to which would be, in my opinion, a fantastic run and a modernization of the classic character. The Circle once again revisits the origin story for Wonder Woman, but this time with a twist. It seems not everyone on Themyscira thought Diana's birth a miracle, and a minor insurgency was begun by Hippolyta's elite guard. This insurgency is eventually put down, and the four perpetrators placed in four prisons placed on the four cardinal points, a circle that Hippolyta must run each year to ask for the prisoner's repentance. Meanwhile, in present day, Diana is struggling to balance her life as a superhero with a secret agent, all the while having to deal with intelligent talking apes and a Nazi commando group bent on taking over the world. And believe it or not, all of these story threads come together in a very satisfying way. Gail Simone deftly weaves these seemingly different plot elements so they all have relevance to one another and impact each other significantly. And along the way, she adds clarity to the character of Diana. Simone crafted Diana into a well-rounded person, strong and confident, aware of her abilities and her shortcomings. No longer were the aspects of fierce warrior and peaceful ambassador at odds. Rather, this Diana was in balance, harmonizing those parts of her personality, one helping guide the other rather than contradicting them. Diana wasn't just reacting to events, she was shaping them. And as for the idea of her being a fish out of water, that was jettisoned completely in favor of a woman knowledgeable of the world and completely in control. With the circle, Wonder Woman saw a new beginning while at the same time embracing and reimagining the past. Combined with the stunning art of Terry and Rachel Dodson, Gail Simone created the template for Wonder Woman that all creators who would come after would follow. She breathed new life into old clay, and Wonder Woman was wonderful again. So Brian, I think this is the first time you've read this uh, arc. What do you think? Uh, no, I, I actually had read that when it came out. So. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. So... Uh, although I hadn't revisited it since then. Um, so it was kind of like just, re- you know, I reckon I remembered elements of it. But right. uh, no, this is, a, it's good. It's good storytelling. You know, it's, it's no secret that, uh, that we are a, a pro Gail Simone podcast. Oh, yes. Uh, national treasure. Uh, so, you know, it's, uh, it was very interesting revisiting uh, the story. It was, it's, it's quite good. And you're right. The, the art is fantastic. And, 
Gail Simone's writing style is the, the, the mixture of humor and uh, seriousness mm-hmm. that she is able to bring to her writing, it particularly I think serves Wonder Woman well in, in this story arc. So uh, I, I quite enjoyed it. Um, I, I, we may hit on this down the line. Uh, my only quibble I think would be like, whereas I agree with you that, uh, you know, one of the problems with Wonder Woman has always been, as you mentioned in the intro, uh, sort of the changing, uh, how her origin is constantly changed, how who she is is constantly changed. Um, I don't know that future writers necessarily stuck with that template uh, going forward, but uh, I think this was a uh, this was a very good sort of reintroduction to Diana, as again as as you already addressed. So, mm-hmm. well, I th- when I say the the template, I mean as a well-rounded person. You know, they, there's a Wonder Woman's personality throughout the years has just changed issue to issue, panel to panel sometimes. Right. And, and what, very, much, very much on the whim of the male writers. Exactly. So what Simone was able to do was, was kind of conceive of Diana as a fully fleshed per- person with all these different aspects within her and helping, like I said in the introduction, she, she, they're all kind of you know, strengthening her. Right. And when I say it's a template, you know, you look at people who come after, whether it be Azarello or, or G. Willow Wilson, they're all using that same idea. It, no longer is she being split into multiple different personalities right. to fit the whim of the story, that her characterization is being, is being carried through. Uh, and if you look at the movie, this, this is very, I mean, the, the Gal Gadot version of Wonder Woman is very much a Gail Simone mm-hmm. version of Wonder Woman, I think. Um, so that's what I mean when, when that is. She she just sort of took all the disparate act, uh, different things about Wonder Woman and sort of gelled them together, jettisoned all the uh, the old bits that didn't fit, right? And and created because she when you look at say Superman, Superman right. has been reinterpreted multiple ways too, but there's always a consistency about who Superman is and what his personality is, right? Yeah, yeah same thing with Batman. Even all the differing versions of Batman, he's still has some key features to him. Of the Trinity, Wonder Woman really never had that. And now there's going to be tons of people hitting the keyboards right now saying I'm completely wrong, but that's how, <laughs> <laughs> but that's how I have seen this character over the years. No, and I think you're right. And uh, it's, it's, it's also, you know, it's the, the origin story has been, uh, there's been a level of frustration with the origin story uh, too. And there, there are, boy, howdy, people are, People have a particular origin story that they prefer, and they when, when it's not that origin story, they get very cross. Yes, yes. Of course, uh, the, when Azarello comes along, he completely changes the origin story once again. Yeah, and that's fine. And that's why it's not, not just for Wonder Woman, but just my entertainment value in general. I am not beholden to canon anymore. I mentioned that earlier. This comes, uh, this comes primarily from being a Doctor Who fan. Because over 50 years and, you know, multiple people playing the character, endless amounts of writers, there is just no freaking canon at all. <laughs> people, fans get really upset when, well, it, it disregards what happened in 1972. It's like, yeah, who gives a shit? Because it's about the story being told today. Right. Uh, and that's what I think takes precedent in every character. What, how is it going to, how does it affect the character today? What is the story being told today? So I don't mind 
the the origin story changing from time to time. Honestly, in this one, there's some new elements added, but I don't think it it changes much of anything. You know, it it, it differs from George Perez's origin story in that because he in that it still retained the whole, you know, she's made of clay and all that. But I don't think it really, uh, like I said, it adds new features to it, like with the, with the, the Royal guard rebelling, but the actual origin story still seems fairly consistent. Do you disagree? Uh, No, I mean, it's, it's a lot of it's just in the telling. And uh, Mm -hmm. so, well, let's get into some nitty gritty. What do you say? That sounds good. Yeah. Uh, So the whole thing begins, and this is, I I think this is where her, Gail Simone, I mean, really stands out. The very opening sequence where where Diana has to fight talking apes created by Gorilla Grodd. Yes. First of all, can't go wrong with talking apes. Never, never. Never, no. Talking apes are great. But she really makes it sound, because they fight, Obviously, Wonder Woman wins, uh, but it then offers a hand of peace. Right. And, and specifically says, this is why I don't use Batman's tactics. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a few swipes at Batman throughout this, uh, this, uh, the comic, which is, which is pretty funny. They're funny swipes. They're not... Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But it's, but, it's a, a, but it's an example how that warrior ambassador aspect is balanced. And it's how it gels, yeah. Yeah. And and it's and it's a kind of like that first opening sequence is a, a mission statement of this is who this is going to be from here on in. It's going to be badass fighting woman, but we'll always try to find the the find the peaceful solution. So she eventually does take the talking apes back to her place, <laughs> which is just hilarious because they didn't they have to apologize for the flinging incident. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I could do without all the flinging. <laughs> There are some really good little jokes in this throughout. Yeah, uh, and and you know the, to- the the talking gorillas, they're gorillas. No, that's but uh, they 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 definitely uh, add some comic relief. Uh, yes, and there's a there's a wonderful little bit about oh, who was it? Someone comes to the door. It's Nemesis. It's uh, Tresser. Yeah. Yes, he comes to the door and wants to see the apartment, and she's all nervous because there's gorillas in her living room. And he walks in and everything's just fine. They had kept everything clean and got out of the way. So it's one of those little uh, <laughs> kind of a sitcom situation. Then we find out, and this is, uh, I, I don't have an uh, encyclopedic knowledge of Wonder Woman in the early 2000s, unfortunately. So I don't know when it was that she became, where, where she's a secret agent, but in her kind of Diana form, she's powerless. She, she loses her powers. Well, she doesn't have her. Uh, she doesn't have her, her magical things. You know, she doesn't yeah, have the right. and the, and the bracelets. And I, I was a little confused by that. Yeah, where it's, uh, you know, I, I got like at first I thought, oh, she can't fight Captain Nazi, as what you know, using her powers because then it will expose Diana's, you know, secret agent Diana as Wonder Woman. But right. then, but so that's at first what I thought was happening. But then, then there was like a couple panels where it talks where where it suggests that she doesn't have her powers because she doesn't have her her accoutrements. I just assumed that she was uh, she was just always Wonder Woman. She was always always had those powers. Uh, just was, the, yeah. yeah, 
the bracelets and, and the lasso are just, uh, like you said, accoutrements that enhance things. And I hadn't really, you know, it's, I, I've been on and off, you know, Wonder Woman. Uh, I pretty much would follow Wonder Woman because of the writers. So, you know, I did the Greg Rucka Wonder Woman, uh, obviously the Perez, the George Perez Wonder Woman. But I haven't, didn't follow all of the different writers writing her. And I would come and go with the series, depending on, on, on the writer or the artist. Mostly the writer, though. So I, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think Tresser is a new character. Nemesis is a new character, but I could be wrong. And I don't know, like, the, like when she became a secret agent, did she become a secret agent just for Gail Simone's run, or did that exist before? I, no, I think, I, that was, I think that was a carryover. Yeah. From, yeah. Because that's, uh, that's, well, she stays a secret agent, but her depowering, you know, you know, the secret identity thing where she's just a regular person who then has to transform into Wonder Woman. Yeah, that's sort of, that's done away with. I mean, it's, maybe it's like the the show, the the old TV show, where she has to spin around several times and turn into the Wonder Woman, and that's when she has her powers. Yeah, so that's that's another one of those inconsistency things that happens. Um, and you see, as you as as Wonder Woman progresses throughout the late two thousands and up to today, it's it's much more consistent of how she's presented. So then we get into the uh, the Nazis because you always got to have Nazis. Well, I think this is, I, I, I really like the fact that these are chosen because it's really, well, first of all, I know it's a little far-fetched that there would be Nazis in modern day America. It's <laughs> <is> crazy. <laughs> I mean, what complete science fiction that would be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but when we get into, you know, we, we get this origin story about uh, the, the uh, Royal Guard so each of these issues has a, so the origin is a framing device that begins each, each of the four, right. each of these four issues. It, so it's, so we have like, each of the four issues has a little bit of the history and origin and it gives us just enough that it's germane to what happens in the present day. It's, it's a really good technique that Simone uses. She's not just doing two half stories. She's, each part of the origin feeds into the rest of the issue, which is very interesting. But Yeah. Well, just... The, using Nazis as a uh, you know as an example of fanaticism, mm-hmm. but then you also juxtapose that with the uh, royal guard, who also have their own form of fanaticism and yeah, allegiance well, and allegiance to the, their master, right? And yeah. and allegiance to the idea of their master more than the master, is exactly, word. and being completely opposed to anything new and and wanting things to be exactly the way they were, and thinking that they could just do all this violence. And suddenly everything's just going to go back to the way it was. That's- well, I think it's also, it's, it's also interesting because it's, uh, Simone humanizes um, the characters as well. She, she humanizes, you know, uh, Captain Nazi or whatever uh, a little bit uh, when, you know, Wonder Woman uh, uses the lasso of truth and, you know, is, and, and finds out his, where some of his resentment and, and anger and what led him to become this in the same way that we understand that uh, uh, Alkyone, uh, I'm not sure if I'm saying that correct. Uh, the head of the sort of royal guard also has uh, in in her life that has led her to to this sort of fanaticism as well. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's Alcione. I could be wrong about that. It could be. I, I don't know. Greek. It's all Greek to me. <laughs> uh, but that's basically the 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 two things. You have these two things happening, the, like the two stories that are seemingly 
at odds with one another, but they're actually, they, they come together because the, the Nazis eventually uh, attempt to invade Themyscira, uh, which is prone right now because after a previous arc, all the Amazons have left the island. Yeah, I think that's the Amazons attack arc. I could be wrong about that. But it's the aftermath of that. So they try to attack when the, the island is vulnerable. But you really get a sense of who Diana is and who uh, Hippol- Hippolyta's, who they are as people. First of all, they're both badasses. Right. Which is really fun to watch them just, just take them apart one by one. But they also have, they also care for one another. And it's, it's, it's uh, you know, there's really a sense of true family and love, you know. Could have been their undoing. But it turns out to be uh, saving the day through love. <laughs> well, I'm not wrong. I mean, I know I'm being, I'm being flippant about it. But... True love will find you in the end. Exactly. So how do you feel about the, uh, the, 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 the origin plot or the, the origin story with the, uh, the plot to kill Diana? So the, the idea is that, um, you know, you have all these Amazons and they're all well and fine, but there haven't been children on the island in a millennia, right. however long it's been. Low these many years. Low these many years, to the point where some of the women create uh, clay dolls to sort of play act that they have children. And then Hippolyta goes one step further and actually does fashion, fasten a child out of clay in order to be sort of the, uh, how, would you, how would you say, like a rejuvenating uh, process for the, for, the, for the Amazons to give them new life, new hope? Well, yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, I think the idea was to, to give them, you know, a, a, a new hope. <laughs> does, does that mean Diana's father's really the emperor? I think so. <laughs> uh, I, I think it, there, there's a lot of things psychologically going on there. And, and one should also not necessarily give Hippolyta a free pass. Oh, no, I don't. I think there was some selfishness there she was creating a thing that was that she could have and while she would share said thing i.e a living breathing person i can't you know i'm referring to wonder woman as a thing um that's so many problems there but uh i think it's yeah i you know it feels as if she she was doing it to yeah to to give hope to the other amazons to bring uh some level of joy to break up the mundane you know, it seems a weird. You know, the let's make a, a let's make a living child to so things won't be mundane anymore. That's what I got to. I was like, you know, this. I understand the reasoning behind it, but it's a little morally gray. Now, in hindsight, we say, you know, this was all perfectly fine because we get the character of Wonder Woman and everything's grand. Comic wouldn't exist without it. Uh, but you know, like I said, it's it's a little morally gray of why she does this and. And you can almost understand, you know, Alkyone's, uh, you know, why she reacted the way she reacted, particularly when we find out that she too had her own sort of clay baby and she had, you know, these dreams or desires to, uh, to also have a child. Um, but, you know, her concern was also that this would tear the Amazons apart. She, she and, became very, you know, fanatical and, you know, Anyone who, any of these clay babies that were created would be destroyed immediately. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's not an illegitimate concern, but, of course, she carries that to an end that was not so great. Well, yeah, that, that goes to an extreme, almost a Nazi-like level. 
But, you know, there's still the conflict. They had swore the oath uh, never to allow a hair on Hippolyta's head to be harmed. So they can't kill Hippolyta. They can't exact their revenge on Hippolyta. You know, it has to be, yeah, it has to be through the child. Yeah, well, they place all of their bitterness and resentment upon the, the being, upon the person of Diana, even though they've never even met this person. Right. Everything that has gone wrong in their lives is now being put, is it being embodied by Diana. Yeah, and that's, uh, there's a lot of really deep psychological ideas being displayed here. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's, Gail Simone's playing on a lot of different levels here with their storytelling. Some of it I don't necessarily feel is for me to discuss or to mm. cast, you know, opinions on it's, you know, it's, it's, cause it's not about me. So, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot, uh, particularly the, I think it's, it's the, the, the origin story is, is just full of, you know, the clay babies, that's a, that's a, a folk and mythological thing as well. Right. Existing before this comic and uh, that, that is rife with um, symbols and signifiers. Well, it's also, um, you know, I, again, <laughs> uh, I could be talking out of school here, but it's also a, an idea of um, of a woman's own, you know, agency, right? That not being defined by the man, right? They are, you know, and that's kind of what the whole island of Themyscira is is to begin with. Yes, basically, Hippolyte has created a baby without needing anyone else, right? Um, yeah, uh, which is a powerful symbol. Which yes, is kind is. of why uh, the George Perez version sort of was a little jabbed at that by making, by taking that aspect away. Right. Yeah. And even the Azarella run, which I really liked. Um, yes. For what it was, the, some of the complaints was when it made uh, Zeus the uh, father. The father, uh, exactly. Uh, it, it again, like you said, it, it brought back agency and uh, there were people very upset by that. Well, it's funny how the men do that. Yes. They, they, they will go right up against the gate on the matter. But this is, I, so all that, those, those things aside, uh, there's also some really great action scenes. When, when we finally get to the island, the Wonder Woman has to fight her way to get to Hippolyta, who's been captured. And so she has to fight her way through Nazis and through the Royal Guard, who each have their own talent, I guess. Right, their own that. specialties, right? Yeah. And, even the one that's been blinded is still an archer and, uh, and really good at it too. Uh, but you get to see how, just how strong and resourceful, not, yeah, not just, it's not just strength, but how resourceful Diana is. And she really, you know, she has to think her way through defeating these people. Well, it's part of one of the great things. Yeah. Defining her as, as, you know, we usually have the, you know, if you're powerful, you're not intelligent. If you're intelligent, you're not physically powerful. The dichotomy between the two, and it's, um, and, you know, Diana gets to possess both of these things. Yeah, that is kind of a, a, a weird stereotype, isn't it? Yeah. You know, well, you got like the Hulk, who's incredibly Hulk. strong, but the Hulk, the, the stronger he gets, the stupider he gets. Right. Yeah. Although it's been very interesting when you've had the intelligent Hulk. Um, but, mm -hmm. you know, the thing is also kind of, you know, you know, he's the dumb one of the Fantastic Four. Yeah, he's, he's a palooka. Yeah. Thor is kind of goofy. Exactly. Uh, he, yeah, Thor's not known for his, you know, wide-ranging intelligence. He's not stupid I mean, by any stretch. Right. I mean, Superman is allowed to be intelligent, I think. Um, yeah. But he's not as smart as Batman. And that's kind of um, in the most recent run of Avengers when uh, 
when She-Hulk is kind of made the the dumb Hulk again, right? You know, or not not again, but for for the she's she's she, her intelligence is taken away because that was always one of her defining characteristics. Characteristics is that she's really strong, but incredibly incredibly smart, and I like that. That's a that's a great characterization, and I'm very pleased that uh, Diana was given that given that characterization in this. Because it, it makes for such a such an entertaining sequence that that whole that those scenes of her just fighting her way through the jungle to get to the uh, to get to her mother, it's very exciting. This is a quick yeah. read, I should say. You know, it's a very quick read. Yeah, there's yeah, it's, uh, it's four issues, but there's a you know, it's it's very fast paced. But it's also not decompressed. A lot happens. Oh yeah, a lot yeah. happens. There's a lot of uh, uh, you know, Scale Simone. So her uh, her writing style is very lyrical she can turn a phrase as they yeah. say i, I think yeah i really think the strength comes from the the flashbacks and really kind of that giving it this sort of poetic mythological tone as opposed to to the modern day stuff which is just sort of the modern the, the modern day stuff is and i think intentionally so this isn't this is actually oh, very yeah. smart writing by simone is it's the, the meat and potatoes are in the are in the framing the uh, the origin portion in the the action and the and uh, sort of the more fast-paced aspects are in the contemporary portion and you do you have this one whole issue is like once you get past the origin story portion of it it, it flies because it's just almost all just action yeah just, so it, yeah it's action and quips and really exciting stuff and i and i love that aspect of it and i, I have to say um, girl is fighting nazis and i love dotson's the the dotson's art <laughs> art style uh, no, but it's it, no, it's a very stunning. These issues are are really stunning to look at. Very very well done, and it adds so much to to the lyrical aspect of of the language being used by Gail Simone, and it gives it that kind of you know that mythological classical look to it, while still staying. It's it, it's walking a very fine line. It's doing kind of a classical look while at the same time being a very modern comic. Well, I think it's, uh, you know, one of the other things that Simone doesn't just write Wonder Woman great. She, she writes all of her characters great. And I think that's one of the, you know, it's the supporting cast. You know, I love what she does with Etta Candy in this. Yes. Uh, it's amazing how far Etta Candy has come. Right. From, uh, the, from the overweight comic relief stereotype mm-hmm. back in the beginning to just you know, a really strong, capable character. You know, she even fleshes out Director Steele. She she fleshes out Tresser. She she gives all the you know even the gorillas like we we mentioned before. But you know, they're great characters. Uh, you know, and and they're like teenage boys. I mean, I think they are. You know, yes, that. exactly. Yeah, should should be said that the, the the gorillas come in as sort of like a cavalry to to come in and, and help get Diana onto the island. But yeah, there's a great line about Steele. <laughs> bit on the nose that name, isn't it? <laughs> it's just these little quips that she that 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 Simone writes and well, it addresses a very uh, very old comic book trope of naming someone what their powers are. Right. Yeah. So overall, I just I I I was really impressed by this this arc. This really got me. So before before this run by Gail Simone, I was just sort of I would read an issue of Wonder Woman here and there. Right. I wasn't some, it wasn't a, a character I followed. I, I read Wonder Woman because she is you know, one of the pantheon of why comic books are comic books. But when this happened, I, t- I got a new interest in Wonder Woman as a character. Uh, mm. And then, fi- and then fi- of course, followed by Azarello's run 
in New 52 that solidified it. You know, so this is, you know, so this is Wonder Woman that I read on a regular basis now, especially uh, coming up now, G. Willow Wilson's run is absolutely fantastic. If you haven't read that, you should. Yeah, it's good. And of course, Steve Orlando was writing for one. I think they're, um, yeah. oh, and, and now there's, uh, uh, I forget who's writing it now, or someone is taking over. I forget her name. I miss it, but she's actually a pretty good writer in uh, in her own right. So it's 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 good to see this this person coming on. Of course, that's really helpful for me to say, "Hey, this person, isn't it?" Uh, name is really good. <laughs> it's uh, Makiro Tamaki. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I you know I truly think that at least for me, my personal comic book enjoyment, this was something. This was a, a run that really brought a new level of. Uh, uh, enjoyment and love for the character of Wonder Woman to the point where I'm uh, continually following her adventures. Uh, so, you know, I, you know, I have a special appreciation for Gail Simone's run. Uh, I mean, to me, it's uh, my, my favorite will probably always be the Perez run just because, well, Perez's art. Well, yes, Perez's art is great. Um, and it is, and it's, it is a classic run. It's just something that... Uh, big. It is. And uh, I think with Gail Simone's run, she, there are big moments, but she also is able to ba- like balance, like you were talking like at the very beginning where, you know, she's able to balance the various aspects of Diana. So you have like in the following two issues that we're not talking about, we're not talking about it because they weren't good. It's just, they didn't add anything to it. And it's just kind of two brief issues that are very good, but that's just, but there is, um, you know, she, Simone is able to focus on, on sort of the smaller aspects too. You know, and I really appreciate that instead of, you know, there, there's a place for the big epic crazy story that just has world ending consequences, but I right. really like the personal, you know, how do people fit into this world? What are their relationships? What are the consequences? Uh, and I think Gail Simone does that incredibly well. We're, 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 I think we're both like, Hey, if, if you haven't read Gail Simone's run on Wonder Woman, you should. You should, by all means. Yeah. It was all too brief. Yeah, that's true. Um, it did not last as long well, as people had hoped. Uh, but uh, It lasted a couple of years, didn't it? I think, you know, I mean, I think there was this hope or idea that it would be this, you know, birds of prey length. <laughs> right, yeah, okay, I get that. Run on it, you know, or whatever. And the, the, the last Wonder Woman writer, you know. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, but, you know. Everything has to come to a crisis at some point. Oh boy, uh, it's true. So anyway, if anyone uh, if anyone hasn't read this, please do. This is pretty good. Even if you just read this one little this one tray, these four issues, it's really uh, just a just a quite enjoyable story. Agreed. Yes. Uh, so that kind of wraps it up, I think. Yeah. I don't know if this wasn't you know in depth or anything like that, but it's a good story to have. It's a good story. You don't to always read. have to be. Uh, so that's it for this time. Do you want to know what's going to happen next time? I don't know. I do. We- I, I have a feeling things are going to, we're going to be switching things around a little bit for the next podcast. Do, have I heard correctly? Is this rumor true? It is true. So next episode should have been Brian's choice. Uh, Brian's story. <laughs> <laughs> Brian's song. Brian's song. But I am going to uh, commandeer that spot. Uh, oh, no. For- yeah, for a special reason, because I want to do Batman the Long Halloween. Uh, this is, of course, by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. Uh, it's a 13-issue limited series that ran from 96 to 97. Sure. Right? 
Sure. Uh, it's, well, it's considered one of the definitive Batman stories, and it's also a Halloween story. Of oh! Course. Yeah. Un- unless, of course, they move Halloween this year. Are we going to have a Halloween? <laughs> it's just, <laughs> everything's, gonna, everything's crazy. Halloween's going to be delayed till uh, December now. Yes, we're just going to put off Halloween. Everything you choose will be delayed, so... The horror of it all. Uh, yeah, uh, so for, for Halloween, we will have this out. Uh, we will record this and have it out on Halloween. Yes, and then, Brian, right. then Brian can have two or three in a row. No. Uh, so that's right. So next time, we're going to be doing Long Halloween by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale, and it's going to be out on Halloween. Woo! Not long from now. <laughs> okay. And on that note... Yes. And on that note, so... Real brief aside to listeners, um, just uh, an, an administrative thing that we are currently uh, revamping our website and moving things around and getting a new podcast and moving the feed to a different server. If all goes well, you will not know a thing happened. Everything will just go on as normal. If things do not go well, which is always a possibility, some episodes might begin to show up in your feed as new. So... Sorry about that. If it happens, you can always just listen to them again. But anyway, hope everything goes well. And this warning will be for naught. Don't screw it up, Paul. Never underestimate my ability to not, <laughs> not dot an I or cross a T. <laughs> no, I think, I think everything's going to go well, but uh, just in case. You never can tell with all these different uh, feeds and so forth. All right. But anyway, that's it for this, uh, that's it for this episode. I feel like we were just floundering for a while. (laughs) I hope hope this is entertaining for people. I hope so. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But anyway, if it wasn't, let us know. Send us a comment, fill out a, send us a comment at comments at collectededitionpodcast.com or go to the website, collectededitionpodcast.com and leave a comment on this individual episode or or hit us up on Twitter. That's actually the best way to to contact us at collectededpod. That's collectededpod. Oh, also, we now have an Instagram uh, account. Yeah, that's also uh, at Collected Ed Pod, Collected Ed Pod. Right now, it's just pictures of our uh, episode art, uh, but I'm hoping to put other stuff up there, like uh, like some of the some of the pages that we talk about and some of the images that we talk about. I want to start putting that up or, there. You know, pictures of our cats or dogs who uh, we, are sometimes guest stars on on uh, on the podcast. Absolutely, we could do that as well. Uh, so, yeah, of course. Is that something new that we that we're doing? Okay, goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and keep reading comics. And keep reading comics and be well. <laughs> <laughs> and scene. You've been listening to the Collected Edition, a comic book podcast. The Collected Edition is a Daddy Elk production. All materials used on the show are copyright their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. The show can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, as well as online at CollectedEditionPodcast.com, where comments can be left on individual episodes. You can also send us feedback at comments at CollectedEditionPodcast.com or on Twitter at CollectedEdPod. That's Collected, E-D-P-O-D. The Collected Edition, a comic book podcast, is for entertainment purposes only. 